0: Moses, the way of an intercessor. Lesson two. Father, we thank you once again for the Word of God that is eternal. You said that indeed we were to allow your Word to have entrance. You said the entrance of your Word brings light. It brings understanding to the simple. And as I always say, God, please help me be simple enough to allow the Word of God to gain entrance into my spirit. We will not lean to our own understanding, but we will acknowledge you in all of our ways. The Holy One, we do lean on you once again. We ask you to teach us, to guide us, to take us through these truths. And again, Father, that... We might adopt this as our life again, not adopt it as a teaching. In Jesus' name, we pray that you help us, amen. Amen. Okay, I want you to go back to Exodus 13. And while it might not be what some expected as far as I was going to teach, I'm simply walking through this and trying to look at. Well, I mean, you know, in the Pentateuch, in the first five books of the Bible, it's just full. Actually, there's a road map to every area of New Testament Christianity, if you want to know the truth, in the Pentateuch, and the five first, first five books of the Bible. There are symbolic teachings and types and shadows that are there that totally chime in to everything that Jesus Christ did. But we're going to look at something now again. I'm just trying to pull little things out. Last, the last one, like I said, is just the blood, the word. I wanted you just to hear the fact that you and I need to have this nailed to the post, that you know how powerful the Word of God is on our lips. And this one will be similar in some areas. In Exodus 13, the institution of the Feast of Unleavened Bread is to provoke constant remembrance. Everybody say remembrance. remembrance. Anybody here actually sat under my blood covenant teaching? You remember when it went through remembrance? This is very important to Israel, to say the least. Anyhow, in Exodus 13, the institution of the Feast of Unleavened Bread is to provoke is to provoke constant remembrance. God's really in to this. Trust me, God's really in to bringing things about, bringing things into our life that provoke remembrance. Okay. This feast was to provoke constant remembrance of God's deliverance from Egypt. The revelation of first fruits, the first to open the womb, is also made vital for Israel to understand. I'm not going to teach on that. It is to be an everlasting testimony to God that his people understand the cost of their freedom and deliverance and that they might celebrate it, not frustrate it. Okay. So Exodus 13, Remembrance. I'm going to read point A and then I'm going to, uh, like I said, read some of Exodus 13 then we'll jump to Deuteronomy 4 in the outline. It is simply impossible to remain consistent as an intercessor without having in place, without having in place uh, and I should have put like something, but I'll talk about that in one of the questions on the next page. It is simply impossible to remain consistent as an intercessor without having in place the disciplined mind in the area of remembrance of the works of the Lord. God's willingness to execute righteousness where there is injustice must be firmly established in your heart and mind. And again, you, we, this sounds so basic, but you see, here's what we have. Many people in the body of Christ... That are, uh, they're praying at issues. They're praying at something, um, as it were. As opposed to really going right back to the very basics and understanding that you, when it's all, when you melt it all down, you represent Jesus Christ. I mean, that's so simplistic. But, But again, this is what God wants us to understand. Jesus Christ is seated at the right hand of God today, isn't he? Isn't he? See, all the basic teaching, but we are heirs of God. And we're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. And remember Jesus said in the word, the word of God says rather that as in John 17, when he prays, Jesus said this. He said, even as you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them. So have I sent them. Now catch that really here. You have to ask yourself questions. Why did Jesus Christ come into this earth? Well, okay, we hopefully all have some basic understanding, but hear what the master said when he's praying to the Father in John 17. He said, "Oh Father, even as thou hast sent me into the world, so have I sent them. Now think about that. Even as you sent me, so have I sent them. So a lot of questions come up. Number one, how about this? Jesus, to do what he did, had to be equipped with the power of God had to be equipped with God's spirit to do what he did. So it would be unjust, again, you have to think like this, it it would be unjust of God to ask of us to to have faith to do the works that Jesus Christ did without having the equipment that Jesus Christ had. Isn't that just logical? It would be very unjust of God, unjust of God, to ask us to go and do the same works. Jesus said the same works, the same works, the same works that I have done, you will do. And greater works, and the word greater doesn't mean bigger than, remember it means more than, greater works than these shall you do, because I'm going to the Father. And again, the whole teaching of the Holy Spirit, what he says it there, and John where he says, listen, he said, it is expedient for you that I go away, because if I do not go away, the comforter will, won't come. But if I do go away, the comforter will come, and he will be with all of you. And again, you've heard me refer to what, you know, a teaching that I had taught me so many years ago. And I still, the title of the message was What Satan Saw on the Day of Pentecost. What Satan saw on the Day of Pentecost. He saw, whereas one man that he thought he was taking out of the way, that would deal with everything. Remember how the Bible says, had the God of this world known, he never would have crucified the Lord of glory. He never would have crucified the Lord of glory. But whereas he thought he was getting rid of the one man, Who had the fullness of the Spirit. Now, on the day of Pentecost, whereas there was one Christ, now he sees multitudes being added to the church that are all filled with the very same Spirit. The very same Spirit. Because that's what scripture says, remember, in Ephesians, that's why I pray that all the time, because it's real to me. I have within me, I don't know about you, but I have within me the very same Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. I think on these things, there are a few things, like I have my, little, my own little running track that I go down every day of my life. But those are two of the most basic that I deal with every day. That I know that I know that I know, regardless of what I feel like, the very same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in me. That means resurrection power is in me now. Whether I feel like it or not is not the issue. God's not a man that he should like. It's in me and it's in you. And I shouldn't call him it. He is in you. And again, the other thing that I always rejoice about that you get bored of hearing me say all the time is, the, is to think on this spirit, to think on the fact that I have the very same spirit in me that hovered over the face of the earth in Genesis 1:1 and Genesis 1:2. 2 And you know, that it just blows my ever-living mind. The, holy, the one that hovered over all the chaos, over the face of the deep, lives in me now. He knows everything. Been there from the beginning, saw it all take place. I have that man inside of me. If I will learn how to yield to him, if I will learn to aggressively cooperate with the things of the Spirit and the things of God, if I will meditate in this word, if I will give myself to prayer, I can believe that what he said he would do, he will do. He will begin to guide me in the truth. He will show me things to come. But again, like we say about faith, you you know, everything that God's given by his grace has to be appropriated by faith. I often used to ask people, when I teach on the Holy Spirit, how many of you actually on, on purpose release your faith for the work of the Holy Spirit? In other words, Jesus said that he'll guide you into all truth. And like I said, he'll show you things to come. I, have, I know a very few people who every day of their life trust him for that Holy Spirit. It says in the word that you will show me things to come. I need some prior knowledge about what I'm about to do, <laughs> where I'm going. Show me things to come. I release my faith in Jesus' name for knowledge of things to come so that I might be prepared because when you really read the Bible, remember that it's never been God's will that God's people be caught off guard, ever. Ever. Did you hear me? We're not supposed to walk in all these surprises and then always be living defensively. We're supposed to be living on the offense. So it's simply impossible to remain consistent as an intercessor without having in place the disciplined mind in the area of remembrance. You, and this is what we're going to talk about this session, is this remembrance, what it means to consistently have some mechanism in place that allows you to have things that bring remembrance to you on a daily basis. Now, I'm going to go ahead and read just, just so that we can see it in Exodus 13. I won't read a lot of that because we need to get moving. But here in verse 1, okay, you know, they just finished, like it says, Passover takes place. And it says in the very last verse of, uh, of chapter 12, And on that very day the Lord brought the Israelites out of the land of Egypt by their hosts. Hallelujah. Now, then verse 1 of chapter 13 says this, The Lord said to Moses, Sanctify. Now, this is the first instructions after they come out. And some of this, I mean, it's all good to study, but you need to study it yourself. There's too much here. The Lord said to Moses, Sanctify, set apart to me all the firstborn males. Whatever is first opened the womb among the Israelites, both of man and of beast, it's mine. Whatever first comes is mine. And Moses said to the people, earnestly, in the Amplified Bible, you will never find, it's particularly in the Old Testament, the word, the word uh, remember without, in brackets, the word earnestly in front of it, as we're going to see in a moment. Lexicons will teach you that the word remember is a word that is, again, a, it's a violent word. It speaks to violence. When God remembers, he doesn't remember. He remembers. It's one of those kind of things. It's, and you have to understand, it's not that God forgets because God can't forget anything. And Moses said to the people, earnestly remember this day in which you came out from Egypt, out of the house of bondage and bondmen. For by strength of hand, the Lord brought you out from this place. No leavened bread shall be eaten. In other words, in remembrance of how they left so quickly, the bread didn't have time to to come forth. This day you shall go forth in in the month Abib. And when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, which he promised, And swore to your fathers to give you a land flowing with milk and honey, a land of plenty. In other words, even when everything's all around you, you need to remember when nothing was around you. Unleavened bread, verse 7, shall be eaten for seven days. No leavened bread shall be seen with you, neither shall there be leaven in all your territory. Verse 8, you shall explain to your son on that day. This is done because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt it shall be as a sign to you upon your hand and as a memorial between your eyes that the law of the Lord may be in your mouth. In other words, listen to this. All these remembrances are for a reason. What did he just say? All of these things, let me read it again. These signs upon your hand, memorials between your eyes, are there for this reason. I want the law of the Lord to always be in your mouth. In your mouth. One day, whether you and I like it or not, we will understand that our deliverance and our freedom is as near as our mouth. We've got to understand this. God operates on a word system. By that, I mean spoken. He created with words. We're created in His image. He created with words. Didn't He? We're created in His image. And again, that's why I teach that on the Rhema thing so much like I just said. Even in the very beginning when you see creation take place, Remember, the Holy Spirit's there. Genesis 1. The word is chaos in the Hebrew. The Holy Spirit is hovering over the face of the deep. The earth is without form and void. And the word is chaos there. The Holy Spirit was hovering over chaos. And this is why we always enjoy that, because we know that the Holy Spirit is not intimidated by chaos. That's where he does his best work. There's hope for us. (laughs) But listen. But the point is... There was no creation yet. The Holy Spirit was moving. And often in our churches, we talk about it, don't we? Oh, the Holy Spirit really moved last night. Well, the Holy Spirit, if you want to know the truth, is always moving. But what we want is the manifestation. But listen, the Holy Spirit was moving over the face of the deep, wasn't he? But there was no creative act yet, was there? Why? Because things have to work together. 1 John 5. In heaven, the Spirit, you know, the Father and the Son. On earth, it's the Spirit, it's the blood and the Word that agree. These things are the testimony, the witness to how things happen. God spoke is all I'm trying to get back to again. So you really hear that. It's not a faith teaching. It's a Bible teaching. Would you give me a break? Light be. Well, what did God do? And again, Isaiah 48, it says, The mouth of the Lord commanded, His Spirit gathered them. And created. That's how this stuff works. Where there's chaos, the Holy Spirit is ready to do something. But he doesn't have the fuel to operate with until a word comes from heaven. Because then what happened is when God said, light be, the Holy Spirit gathered light be and used them for fuel to create life. That's the pattern. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. It's the same thing with with explaining the virgin birth again. The virgin birth. A message from heaven came in seemingly intangible form because it was in the form of a message. A woman, a young teenage girl said, Be it done unto me according to thy word. What happened? She accepted a message into her womb. And what took place? The word, the message became flesh and it's the same thing that happens today if we can ever get people to understand the simplicity of this, I mean I preach the thing, same thing for 25 years you know, and I know people want me to preach something else but there's only one message <laughs> you know, it's the love of God and it's the way that God works God's word comes it's seed, God's made seed to produce after it's own kind and we are hopingly planting seed but you see you have to watch over that seed and let it nurture in your spirit because it can be aborted Just like a child can be aborted. But don't argue about the seed being good seed. Because God's word is good seed. The issue is, will you jump into the fray? Will you fight the good fight of faith when all of those antagonistic issues come to steal the word of God? That's what Mark 4 said. Jesus said, when the word comes, Satan cometh immediately. To steal the word. To steal the word. Because if he gets the message, he's already got you. Because without the message, you're got. You're already dealt So he comes down and he says, "You shall in verse 10 in Exodus 13, he said, You shall therefore keep this ordinance at this time from year to year. And when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, as he promised swore to you and your fathers and shall give it to you, you shall set apart to the Lord all that first opens the womb. All the firstlings of your livestock that are male shall be the Lord's. And it goes on down through all of this. But in verse 16, it says, And it shall be as a reminder. It shall be as a reminder upon your hand or as frontlets between your eyes. For by a strong hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt. All I want you to see is all through this, God institutes reminders. God institutes reminders because remembrance is very important. Remember what it says? What is it? Is it in James or 1 John? I forget. No, it's James, the first chapter. He that looks into the perfect law of liberty. Remember that scripture? But also remember what it says about people who are only hearers of the word? What are hearers of the word and not doers of the words like? They are like people who look in a mirror and thoughtfully study themselves, but go away and they straightway forget what manner of man they are. Those are people that are forgetful hearers. In other words, you don't know who you are because you quit looking in the mirror. Most of us are afraid to look in the mirror. Well, some of us. I am. <laughs> but the point is that you, you know, if I was to ask you right now to give me a, a thorough description of your facial features, I wonder how many of you could do so with any accuracy. But you see, if I gave you an assignment and I said, okay, I want you to go home and tomorrow I want you to come back and I want you to give me at some form of description about your facial features, well, at least you could do something because you, you look in a mirror every day of your life. And we just look in a mirror every day, but I mean, then we go out and we do whatever we do. But again, we don't nevertheless really, we're not able to really give an explicit definition of what we look like. Well, again, what's God saying about this? He said that, remember, the Word of God is like a mirror. That's what it says in Corinthians, that we Continue to behold in the Word of God as in a mirror the face of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we're consistently transformed from one degree of glory to another. You're supposed to look into the Word of God and find out who you are. And all I'm saying this for is this again, like I say over and over again, you don't know who you are until you discover your identity in the Scripture. You have to discover who you are in Christ. But you can forget so quickly. Trust me, you forget that you're the healed of the Lord. You forget that you're the blessed of the Lord. You forget that you're redeemed going in and redeemed coming out. You you forget that you're blessed in the city, blessed in the field. Because that's who you are. Remember, God always speaks to people for who they are, not what they are. Remember, Gideon, thou mighty man of valor, all those kind of things. God speaks to people for who he knows they have the potential of being. He always speaks in the end result in these things. And he, he's trying to get us to see this, to see past our frailties and see into his perfection and allow that image of Christ to become our image. I'm in Christ. My life is hid in Christ. So is yours, right? So remembrance is incredibly important. And let me jump back to the outline and see if I can scoot along here. And Deuteronomy chapter 4, 1 through 9 in the Amplified Bible, I've actually it—I printed it out on the notes if you don't have an Amplified Listen to this passage, the the first nine verses of Deuteronomy 4. Now listen and give heed, O Israel, to the statutes and ordinances which I teach you, and do them, and do them, that you may live, and go in and possess the land which the Lord, the God of your fathers, gives you. You shall not add to the word which I command you, neither shall you diminish it. That you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you. Your eyes still see what the Lord did because of Baal Peor. For all the men who followed the Baal of Peor, the Lord your God, is destroyed from among you. But you who clung fast to the Lord your God are alive, every one of you this day. Behold, I have taught you statutes and ordinances, as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should do them in the land which you are entering to possess. So keep them and do them, for that is your wisdom. This is important now. So keep them and do them, for that is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who, when they hear all these statutes, will say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what nation is there who has a God so near to them as the Lord our God is to us in all things for which we call upon him. Did you understand that is declaring the testimony that God's people are supposed to carry? That other nations are to look at us and go, man, what wisdom is like this wisdom that these people walk in? What other people are there that are like this people whose God is so near to them when they call upon him? I don't know about you, but what that translates into me is God expects his people to get answered prayer. And he expects the world to look at us and say, well, look at these people. This is a real faith. This is real. Their God answers prayer. Dr. Sumral was one of my teachers many, many years ago. And when he was in uh, Asian countries, he, he walked into this one uh, Buddhist temple once, and he was speaking to this Buddhist priest, and he said and he was talking about all the things they they went through, what have you, and he spoke to this man, he said, does Buddha ever answer you when you talk to him, when you go through stuff? And he said, oh, no, 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 of course not. He said, we never expect him to speak. they would probably die if he did speak. But the point is, you know, they consistently, people around the world, you know, they worship things that are dumb, idols. They don't speak. And the difference is, about our faith is that We have a God who speaks to us. He speaks to us through the word. He speaks to us by his spirit. But there's to be tangible evidence in our life that others see. That's the will of God. The will of God has never changed. So he says, verse 7, this is supposed to be our testimony. For what great nation is there who has a God so near to them? Hallelujah. My God's near to me. Who has a God so near to them as the Lord our God is to us in all things for which we call upon him. Verse 8. And what large and important nation has statutes and ordinances so upright and just as all this law which I set before you this day. But then with all that, Moses adds this in verse 9. Only take heed and guard your life diligently. My friends, if there was not a thief, there would be no need for a guard. Don't you understand that? But there is a thief. Only take heed, guard your life diligently, lest you forget the things which your eyes have seen, unless they depart from your mind and heart all the days of your life. But teach them to your children and your children's children. And I said see a word study sheet and that's somewhere for you to look at later. I'm not going to go through that now. It's just a bunch of uh, words from the Hebrew from different concordances and what have you. Now, Though you know these, we're going to go over them as, less, as if we'd never seen them. So I want you to go to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua judges Ruth. And, uh, and here's, you know, so Moses, after the life of Moses again, he's doing what? He's, he's, because of his disobedience to the Lord, he's not allowed to go over into Canaan. Joshua's about to follow Moses' act. This is a hard act to follow. But again, let's look at this and look at what God says to to Joshua here in the first chapter. This is his commission, but these are the instructions of what it's going to take to be successful. And I'll start right at verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' minister, Moses, my servant, is dead. So now arise, take his place, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land which I'm giving to them, the Israelites. Every place upon which the sole of your foot shall tread, that have I given to you as I promised Moses. From the wilderness in this Lebanon to the great river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and Canaan, and to the great Mediterranean Sea on the west shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you, but be strong. Everybody say be strong. Be strong, strong, confident, and of good courage, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. I want to tell you, I want you strong because some of you being strong, see you being strong will cause others to inherit what God wants them to have. I mean, you need to inherit yourself. I understand. That's why, again, you need to just boldly get around people that are stronger than you. That's what I do. I mean, you know, some of you are stronger than me in areas. I'm stronger than you in areas. But I guarantee, you I've got people around me that are stronger than me. I don't know why we're so prideful. Why we love to get around people that always know less than we do. I tell, well, I know why. Because you're proud. You know what I mean? You just want to make sure somebody notices you. You need to hunt people out. I mean, search for people that know more than you do. And unabashedly keep your mouth shut and listen. You know what I mean? Learn. This is about learning. Life is a learning exercise. And you need to learn to listen, to find people that have been around longer than you. And and just, like I said, just be a listener. We're going to get to that in a minute. But he said here, be strong and be confident and of good courage. Because you have to be strong when you go in to possess something. You do. It doesn't just happen. Be strong, confident, and of good courage, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only you be strong, verse 7, and very courageous, that you may do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. And here's verse 8. But, you know like I have to do, read it like you've never read it before. I don't care if you can quote it in 35 languages. Read it out loud every day to yourself. This book of the law, now who's saying this? God is, right? And he's telling them to go in. I'm gonna, Moses is dead. You're going to cause these people to inherit, but you're going to have to be strong. You're going to have to be courageous. Well, this is the formula for strength. Right here, when it's all said and done, verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. But Joshua, you shall meditate on it day and night. Why? That you may observe and do. You see, you'll never be a doer of the word if you're not a meditator of the word. You have to keep the Word of God in a constant state of meditation in your life. And like I said, we're talking about remembrance, and I'm talking about how all of you need to develop some simple mechanism that helps you. I've been talking over the last several hours, you know, we talked about, like I said, just, if, just start with one minute an hour. Something where you consciously make the effort. Like I said, if you work at a computer like I do a lot, you know, where I put it in an Outlook or something so on a reminder thing where it pops up just once an hour. Something just to stop. I mean, I don't have to do that anymore, but, I mean, where I just forcibly, like I said, I don't want to keep repeating myself, but stop just, just, just to start, just a minute, an hour. Because I'm like any other human being. It doesn't take but a few moments of something else, and I will maybe not forget, but I guarantee you, I don't earnestly remember what the Lord has said. Oh, it may be in the back of my mind. But see, it needs to be in the front of my mind. (laughs) Seriously, it needs to be in the front of my thinking. Because otherwise, I begin to see like the rest of the world. And because everybody else is the world, ever so quickly, it happens so subtly, you just flow with the way the rest of the world flows. You think like they do. They cheat at their taxes. You can cheat at your taxes. They do a little, They, oh, in this situation, I can take a little something under the table. Well, I'll take something under the table. So I mean, it's not that big of a deal. And it's the dilution of morality, Daniel 7 speaks of. It's subtle. It's so subtle. It's so subtle. You know, beware of the subtlety of the devil. He wears out the saints of the Most High, Daniel 7, 25. Through mental fatigue, he'll just keep pressuring you. The world is full of pressure. And like we say, prayer is learning how to put pressure on the pressure. But you come with the strength of God's Word, because it's the greatest strength that there is. So listen to it. Only Joshua, this book of the law, shall not depart out of your mouth, but You shall meditate. and You've been taught this a hundred times. The word meditate there is the word that refers to a cow chewing its cud. Chewing something, swallowing it, bringing it back up. Chewing it some more, swallowing it, bringing it back up. It's this constant process it speaks of. This book of the law, Joshua, shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. That you may observe and do. That you may observe and do. That you may observe and do according to all that is written there. And for then, everybody say then. Then. For then you shall make your way prosperous. And then you shall deal wisely and have good success. Hallelujah. Well, that's never changed. If you continue in my word, then you shall know the truth, the truth will make you free. The power of continuance. The power of continuance is what we're after. Everybody has to have that understanding. This is not a Sunday thing or a Wednesday thing. It's all dependent upon your individual understanding. But again, this doesn't take away from life. This adds to life. And then verse 9, he says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and vigorous, and very courageous. Be not afraid, neither be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So three times in three scriptures here, God speaks to Joshua and says, be strong, be courageous to do this. Be strong, be courageous. Be strong, be courageous. Be strong, be courageous. That's because we need to be strong. (laughs) And we need to be courageous to do this stuff. Because there's another pressure that wants us to remain weak. And the way you remain weak is again by the fact that your spirit has no food to grow on Remember just that. You are a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. The inner man, the hidden man, needs to mature just as much as the physical man needs to mature. And he feeds on the word of God. That is his life. That is what he grows by. Your spirit will only mature directly corresponding to how much of the word of God you feed him. Trust me, that's just the way it is. Again, the old statement, you feed your flesh three meals a day. You feed your spirit one hot meal on Sunday, maybe a cold snack on Wednesday. Then you wonder why your flesh has the ascendancy over your spirit. You need to feed your spirit. Well, Psalm 1, look at that again. Remembrance. We're talking about remembrance. These are very familiar to us, but we need to go over them because you, if you forget the works of the Lord, if you forget the things of the Spirit, then I guarantee you what you're praying about or praying in behalf of will speak louder to you. So God's Word has to have the loudest voice. Psalm 1, the first few verses, Blessed, happy, fortunate, prosperous, and enviable is the man who walks and lives not in the counsel of the ungodly, following their advice, their plans and purposes, nor stands submissive and inactive in the path where sinners walk, nor sits down to relax, and this to me is the most dangerous, to sit down and relax where the scornful and the mockers gather, Why would you want to hang around a bunch of mockers and scornful people that scorn the stuff of God? But his delight, the guy who's going to be blessed, verse 2. But his delight and desire are in the law of the Lord. And on his law, the precepts, the instructions, the teaching of God, he habitually meditates. He ponders and he studies by day and by night. And he, this person that does that, shall be like a tree firmly planted and tended by the streams of water ready to bring forth its fruit in its season. Its leaf also shall not fade or wither and everything this person does shall prosper and come to maturity. Hallelujah. Now, you know, you just don't get a better promise than that. Do you? I mean, if he is the same yesterday, today and forever, then this is true. And my friends, it is true. People have proven it through all history. But it's a personal choice. Like I said, just a little bit at a time. Isaiah 29, here a little, there a little. Whom shall he make to understand knowledge? Whom shall he teach doctrine? For line, It says, for there must be here a little, there a little, line upon line, line upon line. Here a little, there a little. It's just, just, just a little. Just, just start taking spoon-sized bites, but just start. And then Proverbs 3, right? You know, the other one that's always parallel to this. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 21 through 26. My son, let them not escape from your sight. This is about God's knowledge. Okay, that's it. I'm backing up. Verse 13 of chapter 3. Happy, blessed, fortunate, enviable is the man who finds skillful and godly wisdom And the man who gets understanding, drawing it forth from God's word and life's experiences. For the gaining of it is better than the gaining of silver. And it is. And the profit of it better than fine gold. Skillful and godly wisdom is more precious than rubies. And nothing, nothing you can wish for is to be compared to her. Nothing. Length of days is in her right hand. Wisdom. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are highways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold on her. And happy, blessed, fortunate to be envied is everyone who holds her fast. Verse 19, the Lord, by skillful and godly wisdom, has founded the earth. By understanding, he has established the heavens. By his knowledge, the deeps were broken up, and the skies distilled the dew. My son, let them not escape from your sight. This is the word of God. Let them not escape from your sight, but keep sound and godly wisdom and discretion. And you know what will happen if you do? It says, they will be life to your inner self and a gracious ornament to your neck, your outer self. Verse 23, then you will walk in your way securely and in confident trust. You shall not dash your foot or stumble. When you lie down, you shall not be afraid. Yes, you shall lie down and your sleep shall be sweet. Be not afraid of sudden terror, nor panic, nor the stormy blast or the storm and ruin of the wicked. When it comes for you, will be guiltless. Hallelujah. For the Lord will be your confidence, firm and strong, and shall keep your foot from being caught in a trap or some hidden danger. Well, I don't know, but those are pretty good promises. God's word will protect your inner self. Now turn to Proverbs 4 right next door, 21 through 23, verse 20 and start with. It says, This, my son, attend to my words. Consent and submit to my sayings. Let them not depart from your sight. Keep them in the center of your heart, for they are life to those who find them healing and health to all their flesh. And then verse 23 says, But keep and guard your heart with all vigilance and above all that you guard, because out of it flow the springs of life. Hallelujah. I mean, this is the first passage of Scripture I probably was ever taught in my whole Christian experience. The Proverbs four twenty through 25. You've got to keep your heart. It says, my son, let not your word depart from before your eyes. You see this book? Everybody look up at me. See this? This is the Bible. I'm not supposed to let this depart from before my eyes. Years ago, when I first got saved, when I was first praying about something, I remember, I don't remember if it was a healing or what it was, a financial situation or something, but all I know is, oh, I know, it was finances. It was a financial situation because I was young and dumb back then. None of you were. You're all perfect, but I was dumb. And I was. Uh, Judy would tell you a story. Bills would come to the door, and I just, I just couldn't. I couldn't handle the pressure at that time. I just. That's it. I can't. Couldn't even look at them. So there'd be this mountain of paper that I wouldn't deal with. You know, I'm talking about 20 years ago. You know, I because it freaked me out. Just freaked me out. And uh, one day God said, you know, you you preach a good word, but you are sure not living it. That really helped me. Made me feel good. And uh, he said, I've told you not to let the word depart from before your eyes. And I said, well, what do you mean? And he said, well, he said, you're so busy looking at that that you're not looking at what I've said. And I said, well, what do you mean? He said, I, don't, I want you to look. I, I told you, don't let the word depart from, from before your eyes. So I remember just as clear as today, I'm sitting in this little office and I'm looking at all these bills on my desk. And God said, Okay, that's what you're looking at, right? And I said, right, but I told you not to let, your word, let the word depart before your eyes. So he took me this little exercise, so dumb, but he treated me like a kid because I'm a kid. He said, all right, and he said, read, but what's the word say? And I forget which scripture I had out, you know, uh, because I'm a there or whatever, you know, I forget what I was reading. But my God shall, well, let's just say Philippians 4.19, my God shall meet all your need according to his riches and glory. And he said, well, read that. And I said, okay, I read it. And he said, now look back, now look at this. And I looked at that. And he said, which speaks louder to you? And I said, well, honestly, that. He said, right. He said, because you've got them both in similar perspectives, similar views. He said, I said, keep the word before your eyes. And so I remember standing there. And he said, put, it, put the Bible in front of you. So I held the Bible up like this. He said, now read this. And I said, all right. My God shall meet all of my need according to his riches and glory. He said, now, Okay, now look at your bills. And I went back. He said, no, I didn't say that. I didn't say put the Bible down. He said, put the Bible back up. And I put the Bible back. He said, now look at the bills. And I said, well, I can't see them because the Bible's in the way. And he goes, duh. He said, I'm trying to get it through. If you look at this stuff, look at it through my word. Don't look at it through the natural. Look at the stuff. I'm telling you, we've got to get back to old fashioned faith in some things. I'm sorry, but we do. We do. The Hebrew word zakar, point B. You've got it on your outline there. Out of Strong's list, Numbers 21 42, to remember, to think of, to mention. This root is found in the Assyrian, the Aramic, the Arabic, and Ethiopic. The group of words and the three nouns derived from it is found throughout the Old Testament. The first occurrence of zakar is in Genesis 8, one with God as a subject. God remembered Noah, and God made a wind to pass over the earth and the waters assuaged. In Genesis 9 15, God said to Noah, and I will remember my covenant, and the waters shall no more become a flood to destroy all flesh. Now, listen to these comments. You see that I have some of them in bold there, not in italics. As in these two cases, remember is used of God in respect to his covenant promises and is followed by an action to fulfill his covenant. Now, you've got to listen. When God remembers, it doesn't mean that he just goes, hmm. When God remembers, he acts. In fact, as we're going to see down here, they're, they ha- they're simultaneous. Remember is used of God in respect to his covenant promises and is followed by an action to fulfill his covenant. God delivered Lot from Sodom because of his covenant with Abraham to bless all the nations through him. God remembered Abraham and brought Lot out of the catastrophe. Now, look at this point, this next little part I have in the bulb. This marks the history of Israel at every major point. Now, that's profound. Now, you can read this more to yourself later. But you have to see that where God remembers, God acts. It's not just the act of recall. Remembrance is not just the act of recall. Remembrance is what causes the action. Now, you and I need to remember Again, the word carries with it a sense of violence. But anyhow, also it says, this marks the history of Israel at every major point. And I've also heard the groaning of the children of Israel and I've remembered my covenant, the out of vines. And the second paragraph, when God remembers, quote, such cases are clear examples of distinct causes and effects. And in some cases, the relation between the remembering and the concomitant action is so close that they're virtually identified as one in the mind of the writer. In other words, this is what we're trying to get. You see, when we remember, I don't want you to just go, oh, yeah, I remember that. No, we act upon it. Because when God remembers, he does something. Don't forget who you are and who's with you. James 1, 22, 26. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers, only deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth there, and he being not a forgetful here, but a doer of the work, this man, that man, shall be blessed in his deed. Now I really have to hurry, because I want to get to this thing about listening. You've heard me say before, God spoke to me years ago, that if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, men and women who were great in the kingdom of God were not great by virtue of the acts that happened at the hand at their hands, but they were great by virtue of the fact that they heard God. Greatness comes with the ability to hear. So listening is acutely important in prayer and intercession. Point D, Moses had heard from God. Once an intercessor knows he's heard from God, he also learns to hold fast to the word spoken to him while he was on the mountain with God. When times are rough and the contrary winds are blowing strongly to get you off course, the word of the Lord will return to you and keep you firmly anchored with a resolve that is supernatural. 2 Peter 1, 18-19. We actually heard this voice born out of heaven, for we were together with him on the holy mountain. And we have the prophetic word made firmer still. Now listen to what the admonition of Peter is here. You do well to pay close attention to it as a lamp shining in a dismal squalid and dark place until the day breaks through the gloom and the morning star rises and comes into being in your hearts. Now, if you can read into that and take some time, like I said, you see, you and I have to pay attention to the word of the Lord that we have about a situation and let it be the shining lamp that it is while we're in the midst of a dismal squalid and dark place until the day breaks and the morning star rises in our hearts. But uh, anyhow, I put down water some tools that you can utilize to keep you in remembrance of what God has said, what will work for you. And like I said, find a mechanism that works for you. Now, this is a quote from um, Elsher's book, Effective Listening. There's an entire, did you know there's an, an international listening association? It's, an, it's a whole group, and uh, this guy, Robert Elsher, is, is a guy that's a strong Christian that's part of it. But anyhow, let me just read this article. I don't have time to go through it. Just listen to this. About, and this is important about becoming a good listener. If you're going to be a person of prayer, I mean, you, well, you need to Listen. The single this is a quote from his book, Effective Listening, the single most powerful influence on our society today is our inability to listen. Regardless if it is by choice or not, our inability to communicate is rooted in our inability to listen. Any of you know people that just love to talk? They always want to put forward their case, they never have time to listen to anybody else's ham. Yeah. This stems from the fact that our soul is weak and our ego is strong. Where you find strong ego, you find listening skills that are non existent. In the world of work, our soul reveals our purpose. Without purpose, we are adrift. Our listening skills are as sure our rudder and our ability to steer our life as a rudder is to a ship or an airplane in its ability to get to its destination. The art of listening is directly connected to our ability to care. As love is directly connected to caring. Can you understand how important it is? We live in a society that has such a huge ego that listening has be has been all but become extinct. My prayer is that as a nation we continue our comeback as a spiritual conscience. I believe that with our spiritual awakening there will be resurgence of listening skills. When we are confident in our future, that is our salvation. Our listening skills have a chance to grow and we are receptive to learning listening lessons. For our own spiritual understanding, listening is required. The number of self-help books sold today are innumerable. If we, did not, if we do not need to listen, then why are they being sold by the hundreds? I think there are more CDs and cassettes in cars playing self-improvement tapes today than music. God apparently sees fit to reinforce our listening needs and has created a time for music to take a turn. Thus creating a shift in music taste, opening up the door to a focus on self-improvement through listening. Listening shows that you care. It's the beginning of learning to love better, which is the beginning of learning to live better. This is why we are here, to learn to live better. I always say God intends only one thing from each of us, and that's to grow up. Sensing, interpreting, evaluating, and responding. This is the modern-day definition of listening. The word listening, broken down, means to hear with suspended notion. Isn't that an amazingly interesting phrase? To hear with suspended notion. In other words, i got a notion about that. You suspend your notion. (laughs) And you listen to somebody else. The single most complicated event we undertake as human beings is to be good listeners. It takes the most energy. It takes the most desire. These are specifically the two areas we score the lowest in. Therefore, you can understand why, in essence, we are poor listeners. This guy works with major CEOs of companies across the world. The one area upon reconciling failure, for example, a broken marriage or a failed job situation, that we comment on the most is, quote, unquote, he or she, well, they just didn't listen. Jobs where we're not listened to, we will fail at. Marriages where we're not listened to, we will fail at. And the statistics bear the notion out. Respect is connected to someone listening to us. Herein lies the ultimate paradox. We all require that we be listened to. When we're not listened to, we withhold our own listening skills. Why should I listen to you? You never listen to one word that I say. Does that sound familiar? Listening goes hand in hand with love and happiness. At home, it is love, and at work, it is happiness. Therefore, we consistently talk about separating ourselves from our ego. Why? The separation affects our ability to listen. We've got to get you separate from your own ego. Without the ability to listen, we are lost, plain, and simple. I thought this was very interesting. This was from High Gain Organization, which is, again, a, a major corporation that deals with CEOs across the world. We listen. This is a physiological fact it's proven. We listen at 125 to 250 words per minute, but we think at 1,000 to 3,000 words per minute. Now, what I'm trying to say is this. Moses heard from God. Everybody that's ever walked and done anything from heaven heard from God. But what happens is we, we think so many times faster than we listen that you have to train yourself to set your notion aside a bit to hear. You have, Jesus said, if any man hath ears to hear. You have to train yourself to hear, which means you have to train your mouth to close. Okay? And to back off your thoughts about this and your thoughts about that, especially when it comes to prayer, because let me tell you, success is tied up in one simple issue, hearing God. I said, hearing God. So again, mechanisms are important in that they help us to separate our souls from all the clutter. Like well, I always talk about the prayer closet. It's called a prayer closet. And I'd say a lot of people have a very cluttered closet. <laughs> Anyhow, I, I have to stop here. But like I said, but take the notes and just work with them some more. And read through these things. And begin to ask yourself the questions like I put on there. What can we do to improve our listening skills? Why is it so important? I mean, like I said, there's entire courses in college and university on how to listen. But listening is what really shows respect. And no matter who we are, we, and it, it takes doesn't. It takes real discipline to say, okay, I'm going to shut up and listen. I'm, already, I'm not listening because I'm already thinking about what I need to say next to her. Isn't that what we all do? We have to stop that. If you ever want to learn to hear from God, you have to quit always wanting to have the right comeback. And you need to just open yourself to. I'm going to train myself to hear. So, Father, we're asking you, we're yielding ourselves to you, and we're saying, Lord, deal with our minds. You've given some of us very quick, quick minds, and that's our big, big problem. So, help us learn how to listen. Help us become effective listeners. Moses heard from you, Abraham did, all of the great men and women did. They heard. Teach us to listen, I pray, in Jesus' name, so that we can be better at this art of intercession. Because we need to hear from you so that when we pray, we're praying what you've told us to pray as opposed to what we think we should pray. So we just trust you to help us in these matters in Jesus' name. Amen. Reach the end of this lesson. Please insert the next lesson to continue.